0: everyone, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I am Bill Price. And we are back at it today uh, with another long-awaited episode <laughs> for all of us. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're kind of going to talk about a bunch of different stuff here today. I I don't know where... You know, we didn't really talk about where we
1: should start, so let's talk about that right now. Where, where should we jump off the episode today, Bill? What do you think? Um well what's uh since since our last recording and you've been sick so I'm glad you're feeling better mm-hmm. um, thank you thank since you. the last episode uh what what's your what's your best play of of anything new or old or what have you let's just let's just start there
0: you know a game this is a and this is a good sign of a good play it's a game that you just can't stop thinking about and um, so this is an older play but I played it um not, I think, geez, it might be almost a year ago at this point, but I, I think about this game every once in a while, and lately I've been thinking a lot about it because I think there's some similar games that have design elements or art elements that are similar, and that, that is Die of the Dead. Um, so I played this uh, quite a while ago. It came out last year in 2021. Um, I friend, I think it was Aaron, of course, who kick-started it, and he brought it to Game Night once, um, and uh, I was able to jump in on one of the plays, and I just... Kind of fell in love with a game, and I think about it all the time, and so I definitely have more recent plays I can talk to. But uh, as soon as you ask me that, I'm like, oh, this game I can't stop thinking about. So, Die of the Dead is a game where you are shuffling. Um, there are a series of coffins, and in the coffins, dice are going to be placed, and then they're going to be shaken up and drawn. And you're going to kind... It's kind of a memory game where there's these uh, four coffins and dice are going to be placed into them and you kind of want to keep track of, like, what was in that coffin again? And then they're going to be pulled out and they're going to be used for different things and they're color-coded. You're going to be working your way up this ladder. Uh, Actually, it's a stairway. I think... I don't know if it's the stairway to heaven or what what it is, but... um, maybe the afterlife generally, but you're going to be working your way up this ladder and then you're going to be scoring points and gaining abilities as you get up this ladder and it's a fun combination of an engine builder with this minor memory component which just is just enough to make it fun, silly, and challenging but not so much to be like, my memory's terrible and I hate this game. So I thought it was just a very fun balance of some interesting mechanisms.
1: You know, it's funny you would mention this particular one cuz I just on I think it was last week um uh, Tom Vassell from the Dice Tower did his look back series where he looks back at uh, games he reviewed a year, 5 years and 10 years ago. Oh, okay. And uh Die of the Dead actually came up. And Oh, cool. He he was not a fan. He said uh, he thought it was too random. And Okay. I think it looks fascinating. Like I was really, like, looking forward to trying to to track it down um, until I saw that, and I'm like, well, I don't know. So it's good that you would actually mention this because <laughs> is that like, did you feel like you had adequate choices? Did you feel like it was too random? Like, how? What's your thought on that?
0: I, there's definite randomness to it. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't remember it feeling crazy random. I think, the, the, you know, there's some agency with, like, how the dice are put in the coffins in the order, and then remembering you kind of, like, load one or two coffins for yourself, and, like, alright, as soon as that makes it down the line, I'm, I'm ready for that coffin. And so, I'm surprised that was his main complaint, but I don't remember feeling that. I, I definitely remember that the chaos was uh a, a, like a positive thing and, it, and it, I never felt like stymied by it. So um yeah, I don't know. I'm surprised by that take.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, there's um, uh he's he's had a few uh, unusual takes uh recently. <laughs> so uh I <laughs> I think I agree with him about <laughs> 70% of the time these days. Um maybe less, but uh but okay. Yeah, that's uh well now I'm excited again to to try and I think
0: you would like it. I feel like this is a game that you would enjoy. I remember thinking that when we played it too. And um, I, yeah, I don't know if it's easy to get or get your hands on. But if you could find it for like a not insane post Kickstarter price, um, I, I'd, I'd suggest picking it up. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just th- I feel like the the way the 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 coffins are so cool. The art is obviously really great, and I really love the stairway. Like the stairway has these spaces, and you put dice on there to kind of like claim abilities. And you also want to climb the stairway, and so yes, I would agree. There's some randomness to it, but it also you do have a lot of agency on how you're you're pushing forward, and that, at least in my opinion, counteracted that feeling of um, chaos, which, like I said, is pretty minimal. So I, I think you'd enjoy it. Okay, sweet. I'm just lo- I'm just looking up right now and being like, well, can you find a version of this game? And I,
1: I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I can I can That's... find a copy of just about anything I set my mind to. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, it's just a matter of time and sometimes money. <laughs> yes, but usually both.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is a scourge of, uh, of Kickstarter, where you you know, there's sometimes some great games that only have limited release, and or they didn't catch on as much as the uh, sellers and designers and producers uh, thought they should, and so they're not going to get a re-release. But ah, oh, just like. Oh, guys! You should. <laughs> you totally should. It was it was well known enough that I feel like it would probably do a good enough run. Because I remember hearing about the game before I ever played it.
1: Yeah, I had heard about it too before. Uh, before Aaron got his copy, so. Okay, well, um, I. What about you? Have what's added? A, yeah, what's a play? Uh, I played a game recently uh, that uh, immediately has jumped into my top ten games of all time. I know that's bold, and I know that that's nope. rash, but you know what? That's okay. That's okay. I I understand and I accept. I accept that those are valid, but in this case, not valid because this is a fantastic game, and that is Imperial Settlers: Empires of the North. So oh. Okay. It, it uses the uh, Imperial Settlers system. Kind of uh, It's sort of a variation on that Which is actually a variation on uh, The 51st State uh, Have you heard of 51st yep. State? Yes Okay, yeah So so it's a post-apocalyptic card game um, And then Imperial Settlers Was basically 51st State um, But with like Cuter Like Imperial Settling guys um, and then uh, Empires of the North takes that system and really tweaks it pretty heavily. Um, it's still recognizable as the same system, but there's a lot, a lot of differences. Uh, one of the primary differences is um, Imperial Settlers was, uh, had a lot of uh, confrontational aspects. There was a lot of, um, almost take that, uh, where you interacted a lot with, the, uh, with each other mm-hmm. and you could really mess up each other's plans and there was just a lot more things you could do in that regard. Empires uh, of the North takes out almost all of that and there's really nothing you can do to really stick it to the other player. Um, there are obviously... Everything you do benefits you, um, which which yeah. I much prefer. Uh, I'd rather help myself than... and not bother anybody else than hurt everyone else and have it be no real benefit to me, except that everyone else is stymied. Right. right. So, uh, so th- this works for me, uh, a lot more, but basically it's, uh, it's, it's a card game. It's almost entirely card based. Um, and you get, a, a deck, um, and in, in Imperial settlers and 51st state, um, there was kind of a deck construction aspect to it. So you'd have, like, your main cards, and then you'd, you'd build up, you know, you'd, you'd put together your deck before you play, right? So almost okay. uh, so deck construction I played a big part in that. Now, in Empires of the North, there is none of that. It is you have a complete civilization deck that cannot be modified. So I actually really appreciate the, the streamline and the simplicity of that. Um, because with deck construction stuff, like a lot of times you've really got to play that game a bunch of times to figure out, okay, Oh, what, sh- how should I ideally put this deck together? Um, and, and if you're not did- learning from trial and error, then you're just, you know, using a card list from online or something, and they may as well just provide you the deck. So right. deck- I'm not huge deck construction fan. Um, most of the time, uh, and this is no exception, so um, so every civilization has its own unique deck, and, and they are radically different, like they all play extremely different they have um, uh, each one has a tendency to kind of add like an extra rule, like an extra thing that just sort of applies to that particular civilization and every civilization is really good at something and um, So, like, one civilization may do a lot of sailing and exploring uh, conquering islands and stuff. And and another civilization may may have a lot of uh, synergy. The more cards they build out, the more, like, chains um, that they can put together and really end up with big turns later on. Um, And it's just this, uh, it's such a great variety in these six. And there's also, uh, there's three expansions that four expansions actually that each have two more civilizations so there's a ton of them out there uh if you get bored with these six and uh mm-hmm. that's one of the things okay. i really like is that they they play so differently but um but there's this uh this sailing mechanism in the middle of the board uh where you sail to nearby and faraway islands and um and that's just one way that you can uh, acquire more cards you can acquire more resources Um, If you put resources and things on your ship, they can conquer an island instead. So you actually uh, get a a permanent benefit uh, versus you can just pillage an island um, where you just like take whatever the, you know, couple of resources that are on it sort of thing. Um, And it goes and goes and goes and uh, it uh, is just it's. So much. Fun. It's a little tiny bit long. The more players you play, uh, I think it's great at three. I think it's probably the most ideal two-player game out there. Um, hmm. So play two players in under an hour. Three players, I think it took us about an maybe an hour and fifteen minutes or so. Uh, but that was again okay. uh, our first our first play. So we'd probably get it down to, to an hour or less with three. Um, but it's. Uh, it it really is neat, and it's uh, I think it's Z Garcia. It's in his top ten from the the Dice Tower. I know it's in Tom vassell's top one hundred. Um, I I have yet to really uh, the Broken Maple. It's his number one game of all time. Um I oh, yeah. have yet I, yeah I have yet to really hear from anybody that doesn't like this game. Um, I'm sure obviously there are plenty of detractors out there who would rather play Imperial Settlers or rather play I don't know uh, Dominion Uh, but it's uh, it I really really enjoyed it 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 is uh, the art is very cutesy and family oriented it kind of looks like it's something you'd pull out with the kids Uh, but it is not in fact that kind of game it is uh, it is pretty complex uh, to to be honest this it's not a gateway game uh, I wouldn't pull it out as a gateway game. I was a little worried um, playing it with my brother because it was this was kind of his first foray, one of his first forays out of um, that whole kind of um, introductory kind of game. But uh, but he he really enjoyed it. He he got it. Uh, he obviously he came in last, but you know that's to be expected. Um, Kirsten actually won, even though I had. Memorized the rule book Watched playthroughs I'd even (laughs) I'd even soloed it A couple times Like I was raring to go But uh, But it just has It feels Once you're going It feels so familiar You know It just it, It uses mechanisms That as a board gamer you recognize and you understand kind of how this chains into this chains into this, and this will affect this later. And um, it, it just, it feels like something that you're comfortable with that you, you know, you get it right off the bat. I feel like if you right. have experience with, with kind of heavier sort of games. So, uh, but hmm. yes, definitely on my, in my top 10 now of all time, I, I, really, really enjoy it. I am looking to get all the expansions, at least some of the expansions now. Um, but that is that is Imperial Settlers Empires of the North.
0: That's really cool, because I, like you mentioned before, original Imperial Settlers look like such a cool game, but that's what I always heard about, it, is that so Take That-y that you've really gotta like that, and I'd never played it for that exact reason. I just was like, ah, I don't know. There's other games that I feel do this that aren't Take That. <laughs> so... Um, I'm super excited to hear that they didn't or they removed all that. So is there like explain the extent of take that in it? Does did they completely remove it? Is it all just kind of um, um, out of the game or is it minimalized drastically?
1: There is really nothing you can do outside of like uh, the only real interaction you have with other players is kind of like who gets on the sailing track first. So somebody may take an okay. Island that you want because uh, they're ahead of you on the sailing track or something like that but uh, honestly there's nothing you can do to anyone uh, so um, yeah no I, that, that's really the only interaction at all so it's uh, it's, okay. it's there's definitely uh, the take that on this is almost a, a 1 out of 10 kind of thing
0: okay cool yeah well i just uh so i there's it's funny you brought this one up too because there's a guy on the local game selling trading thing for denver and he's had it up there for a while and (laughs) i just checked right now and he still hasn't sold it so i think i'm gonna reach out to him and pick it up because he's been drastically he's been reducing the price like every couple weeks so anyway that yeah i've 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 like these games, or like the, the, what I've read about them, they just seem really interesting, and so I'm super excited to hear that it it takes out the thing that kept me away before. So, awesome. So, to explain. Uh, you said two to play, two players is like kind of ideal. Three players. What's the holdup for three? or three players still works? You said four players might be kind of
1: three too players. Much. Three players still still works great. Um, I I have a feeling, and I haven't played it at four, so I, I hesitate necessarily to to disparage it for, But um it it feels like three is just enough that when it gets to you, you're really ready to go. Um because it, it doesn't take a, a whole lot of um of planning and obviously the board state is is just what's in front of you, so that doesn't really change. Um but uh with with three with two players there's really almost no downtime. With with three players it feels like 're you're, you're reaching uh, an adequate amount but I feel like with four it might just be hitting just a hair over what I think an ideal feeling of downtime for for as, as quick as the turns can go if that makes okay. sense um, but uh on online I mean it, it certainly plays four I think uh, Bgg like in polls I think people have uh like the the best at two and three. And I think they don't rate okay. four player nearly as high, which is kind of what gives me that impression that I think it sort of goes downhill a little bit at four.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. I, I feel like that's such a trend today. Like we've talked about this before, about how a lot of games, it used to be in the five or six player category. Like a lot of games just drastically fall up, off the map in functionality or at least fun, like certain levels of fun are taken out at like that fifth or sixth position. Um, what was it? I think it was, uh... oh, what's the game? I always forget the name. That's Dwelling, one the Huts. Dwellings of Eldervar, I think. Yes, that Dwellings. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I felt, I felt that in that game that they just, they should have just called it a four and, and be happy with it because it plays amazingly at four. But but anyway, that's I think that's just a lot. I don't think everyone agrees with me for sure on that, but I definitely feel other games do that. And uh, But I feel lately there's been a several games that I've played that are four-player compliments, and four is a pretty standard number for board games and should be easy to make that fourth uh, position or four, a full four-player compliment feel, yeah, okay, cool, this game still does everything it wants to do and it's fully realized. But I've played a couple that just feel like, yeah, three is where they should have cut it off. <laughs> but I, I think it, there's a difference between calling a game a three-player game and than a four-player game like I oh, yeah. do get that like you know for sure i do understand not just saying no this is best at three <laughs> as opposed to no this really is best at four and not trying to shove in a fifth player position right but um but i've had that experience recently like just it just seems like i don't know maybe just the games that i a couple games that i played or that's happening or i don't know if there's just a trend right now for certain games to feel that um they're designed for maybe two or three, and then they're adding in the fourth because they can play it, but it never you don't get that f- full great experience. But uh, anyway, I thought I'd mention it. Maybe other people can comment on that if it had a similar experience. I'm kind of curious if that's just me or <laughs> something that yeah, other people are experiencing right now. I,
1: I agree, and I feel like w- what the problem used to be is uh, so many games that were like two to four players were really four-player games. Like that's when the ideal experience right. would be. And so when you cut it down, like a two player game on a lot of these, you're just like, this just, there's not much to this. There's not really any meat to this in two players because it really needs more uh, of this like dynamic interplay and, and it just kind of falls flat. But now I think sort of the opposite's becoming true is that some of these games, like you're saying that you know, they're saying four or five, six players and, uh, and some of them can, I find can be pretty ideal at two or three. Like to me, dwellings of Eldervale. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather play it two-player than any other way, uh, hands down. Right, I've, I've, it's a great two-player game, and um, j- and especially from the the way you described a larger player count, that just doesn't sound like the same game at all. Right. So
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean the, and it's you'd see you're seeing with big games like that too like Spirit Island. I would never want to play a full player complement with Spirit Island. That would I just have sound heard like that. a nightmare to me. Yes, it I have just, heard <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It is just Yeah, I have just is it would be so slow and so frustrating and you're coordinating across four people on slow like thoughtful turn. Oh my god, that would be a nightmare. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's just um it's interesting. So I'm glad to hear you're noticing it too. It's not just in my head. <laughs> but I think you hit it on the head though that it's it, the the previous version was people designing four-player games and then trying to slim them down, where maybe more often today you're designing with a two-player, or at least you're you're working the kinks out in two players, maybe three players, and then trying to jump up to four. And, um, you know, not that people can't do that or that's not a valid way to do it, but that it's the inverse that it used to be, and, and we're seeing a little bit of effects of that here and there. So, yeah, interesting. Anyway, I'm glad it's not just me. Not um, just you. Well, hey, I wanted to bring... <laughs> Good. <laughs> I always like validation that it's things are not just me. Um, I wanted to bring up too. I know we were talking about Radlands a while ago, and I finally got that played, and I super super enjoyed that game.
1: Right? It's it's a two player battling game for people that don't like two player battling games. <laughs> right? Yeah, I
0: loved everything about it. Like, um, I thought it was very very clever. I love the fact that you have these bases that you start out with. That, and that is kind of the core thing, and you've got to kind of protect them with your people. <laughs> and the way that works, like, you've, if you're trying to attack a base, the only way you can ever directly is with the raiders, but you've got to work your way through their defenses otherwise. Um, yeah, I just thought it was very impressive. Super, super impressive game. Yeah, and... and the, I played it, uh, like...
1: Yep. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I played it, like, back-to-back. That's how much I enjoyed it. I was like, all right, let's do this again. <laughs> absolutely, really absolutely. And, and I think that the thing I'm starting to appreciate about it the most is those different bases? There's like so mm-hmm. many bases to choose from outside of like the you know six that they they say you should play your first game with. Um, yeah. There's just there's there's so many of them. There's like what, it's like sixty or seventy bases. Um, there's like a huge stack of bases. Like you could play this game all day every day for weeks and never have the same base combinations, and maybe not even play every base. Uh, it's right. just right. And they do such radically different things that it really kind of uh, you can shape your whole your whole strategy around, you know, one or two bases work. If you get some that you know work really well in coordination with each other um, and, and it's just it, it opens up whole new things. It, it can make it can make it an almost a completely different game every time uh, just from the bases. And I think that's what makes it long term. So replayable and so special. Yeah, yeah,
0: I, I agree. That replayability is massive, and if it's if you like the structure, then yeah, you could spend. Uh, you know, how often do you play any game repeatedly? Um, this game would last you, you know, a lifetime of, of messing around with it here and there. You could also try to like. I also like that idea of um, thinking of it as all right. This conclave of punks or radicals or post-apocalyptic group, however you want to call them, uh, set up three bases that are just hard to beat, and then you try to figure out choosing your own bases how you can actually topple that reigning champion of the <laughs> of the wasteland uh so you could create your own ways to play it too so yeah super impressed amazing game
1: well good I'm um, i'm glad that's this uh this is good sometimes sometimes um things i get too hyped up on can be real hit or miss so uh that's good yeah. <laughs> i'm glad you liked it yeah
0: and i think the was it it was his daniel slaughter his last name Pichnik, Pich, Pichnik, uh I think believe that's his first and only game solo solo design, at least. I think he was a Magic the Gathering guy before this, but
1: so solid. Good on you, Daniel P. Pretty yeah. impressive uh, initial launch. Very impressive. Yes, that's. Uh, I've been seeing the praises of Radlands since I got it, so I I really really like it.
0: Nice. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. Everybody. All right, what else do you want to talk about? What uh, what other games you got <laughs> Excuse me, that have uh, struck your fancy lately?
1: Well, um, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, uh, but I know certainly since last time we've played this quite a few more times, and that's Valeria Card Kingdoms. Uh, you did
0: mention it, I believe, but I don't think we got too into it.
1: Yeah, it's basically... Or no,
0: maybe we mentioned it when we were playing recently. I don't know, but I, we didn't talk about it, I believe, so <laughs> let's well, talk
1: about it. Well, it is... Um, it is Basically, the the same um, same effective um, mechanism as uh, like Machi Kora or Space Base, in that you are buying cards that uh, are between one and twelve, and when those numbers are rolled, you know somebody rolls it, and then you get something for the cards that you have when somebody, even on somebody else's turn. So uh, okay. anybody who's played space base or Machikoro knows exactly how this system works um, but I think it's done in a uh, more streamlined way and it it adds in instead of just being this like die roll you, you roll die you you get your thing and then you buy more cards and you roll die and get your thing to buy more cards instead of that that feeling, um, mm-hmm. it feels more like, a, a real board game uh, there's monsters up at the top that you can uh, that you can defeat and as you defeat them okay. you get more and more resources and more and more um, more and more victory points um, and then as you uh, acquire other cards you you have the option to buy these uh, these domain cards uh, which are like um, almost like towers or villages or what have you cards that, uh, that give you an ongoing effect so, so it can allow you to manipulate dice in different ways and do different things and, uh, and there's a ton of those and there's, uh, there's a bunch of different monsters. The cool thing is there's, I think there's either 10 or 12 different monsters and uh, you use a different combination of 5 in every game and additionally the cards that are like 1 through 12, there's 2 versions of each one of those. So you can mix and match those, and never really play the same game twice. I, mean, I think you can play a couple hundred times before you've hit all the combinations. Um, so that hmm, okay. that also and uh, gives kind of a very um, new feeling each time you play. You're not playing just the same thing over and over, the same cards over and over. Uh, you can really mix it up. And um, my one complaint about it uh, really is setup time and teardown time. It it takes a while. To get each each stack out and lay everything out, and uh, if you look it up on BGG, you see it's it's just all stacks of cards, um, right? And right. each one of those cards card stacks kind of need to be set up, so it's uh, it does take a while, and then it t- then you have to refile them back because it comes with like a filing system, sort of like um, uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse, you know, where you kind mm, of okay. you get the cards together and then you fi- have them in this little like. System like Dominion, um, and and so it's that same kind of thing, but it just it takes a while to set up and a while to tear down, but uh, but it's a lot of fun. It's actually at this point it's my brother's favorite game that we've played. Uh, he he really liked it. Um, Larry was cool. here last weekend uh, last week, and he he really liked it. And and you know his like one of his favorite games of all time is Space Base, um, and he actually thought this probably right. did Space Base better. Um, oh that's which I yeah, which th- that is high price. <laughs> um, so I, I really enjoy it. I think it's cool if anyone ever wants to play it, I am a hundred percent down to play it. I have the the other I have villages of Valeria which I like too, but not nearly as much so um, but I haven't played a bad Valeria game so if if you're like, hey Valeria, what's that <laughs> about? Um, I'd start with card kingdoms. It's uh it's the least enticing sounding. Like what? Card right. card kingdoms? Okay, that sounds <laughs> dumb. Right. But, you know. It should be like Valeria Monsters of Doom or some something like that. Then I'd be like, Yeah, I'm all <laughs> right. I'm all over that. But um so it took me a while to actually buy this, but once I did I really, really enjoyed it. Um so I would I would check it out. If you're if you're in the mood for space space but you want something a little, what I feel like is a little more streamlined, a little actually easier to get into, but more varied gameplay. Uh, this is this is my recommendation.
0: I don't realize the Valeria. The Valeria was like a series of games, or like a world of games.
1: It it is. It is like all of their games. Well, a lot of their games in this. Uh, they they have Valeria in the title. There's uh, there's like three or four or more. Uh, I know there's at least three Valeria games. I think there might be four or five. Huh? Do they play similarly? Not even. Is a it little. like a similar structure? No, nope, totally different. Yeah, completely okay. different. The art is similar, uh, at least between Card Kingdoms and Villages. Uh, they they mm-hmm. are stay somewhat on theme. Uh, it's obviously the same world, but um, but yeah, they're radically different games. Oh okay. Oh, these guys
0: did Food Truck oh. Champion. Okay, or the publisher. Oh, interesting.
1: I also yeah, like. Yeah, I guess Food I'd, Truck been... Champion.
0: <coughs> yeah, <laughs> I do too. I'm pretty sure we played that together, and we did. Um, I enjoyed that one as well. Yeah. Hmm. That's funny. I've I've heard of the Valeria name, but I didn't realize it was so many games. I guess I just assumed it was just, just like one, one game. game. <laughs> one game that yeah. a lot of people were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every year they just get some, some resurges for some reason.
1: <laughs> huh,
0: interesting. Yeah, that's cool. I'd like to try this. Um, I also like Space Base. I I don't think I have the passion for it that others do, but I, en- I enjoy Space Base. I think it's an extremely well-designed game and uh, always easy to jump into. <clears throat> so would you say this is as accessible as, like, one of the best things about Space Base is that for, like, new players... It's easy to jump into, and it's satisfying structure for experienced players, too. Like, it doesn't feel like you're playing
1: a beginner game. Does this have that same feel, or is it a little more advanced, would you say? Um, I think it feels more advanced, but I think it's actually a simpler system. Uh, I would have an easy... If you asked me if I wanted to teach someone Space Base or teach someone Valeria Card Kingdoms, I would, rather, I would rather teach them Card Kingdoms. I think it's an easier okay. learn. I think it's more accessible. Okay. that's good. But it feels like a, a, a denser game when you're playing it and when you're seeing it and everything set up. It 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 feels like it should be, but it's so simple uh, because it's re- really all about I roll die and then everyone, if they've got a 4 or a 6 or a 10, you know, because if I roll a 4 and a 6 and if you have a 4 or a 6 or a 10 or any combination thereof, then you can just, you know you can get those resources or do that thing or increase this or do that or whatever yeah and uh and mm-hmm. it's 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 so easy uh the only thing really even after that is just like explaining you know how to fight the monsters but that's really easy cuz it just uses up uh, a resource to fight the monsters it's not uh there, there's there's very little uh, in this game that would, would prevent anyone from jumping in and being fine at it in 10 minutes or less. Yeah,
0: interesting. Yeah, well, that's cool. I'm definitely going to check it out then just, cause, uh, just for that reason because <clears throat> I don't own... <laughs> like uh, Space Space is another one that I just never bought because like, everyone had it, and uh, everyone still has it, so at, at a moment's notice it could be on the table from a series of bags. <laughs> and so... Um, uh, anyway, like I was saying, I'm going to check this one out, too, because I feel like that structure is – Like I always like the take on that structure. I'm trying to remember the name of that. There's another game. It's like a heist game um, that uses kind of the space based structure. I wish I could remember the name of it. I'm sure it will come to oh, me. Oh,
1: um, Bad Company?
0: Yeah, exactly. Bad Company. And Bad Company was another fun take on that structure that space base and machi caro have um and i really really enjoyed that i thought it was its own unique thing though and and um i would say though that space base between those two is still very much the the more introductible or accessible game um they uh, seem to try to so, take yeah. some you know, yeah create some complexities that you know as, as an experienced gamer i really really enjoyed and appreciated but i would not choose that one before space base to intro so um, nice to hear that that one is very accessible as well Yes. Um well hey, I have a good play to talk about too, uh recently a bigger game and
1: that is Wonderland's War. Um did you have you jumped into Ooh, this one yet? I I have not played it, but I actually I've I've watched recently within the last week or two I've watched uh a couple of uh rules explanations and and semi playthroughs of it. So yes. Uh it looks awesome. Yeah.
0: It was. It was. I was a really fun time. So we played. I played this with Jeff and Aaron, and um, the you know this game. Obviously, if, if you're not familiar, it's it's an Alice in Wonderland theme, of course. And I I'm a sucker for Alice in Wonderland themes. So whenever there's a game with Alice in Wonderland, I'm I just really want to try it. I just love the fact um, that people still use this theme and. It's a great one. <laughs> it's just perfect for gaming. There's just so many ways you can go with it. But um, so in this game, it's uh, there's literally a war happening in Wonderland, and you are trying to stake your claim and become the ruler of Wonderland by battling. But of course, you're going to battle in a Wonderland type way, and um, it's just a really fun territory control, um, you know, battle game of multifaceted. There's a lot of things going on here, and uh, we played it twice back to back. I destroyed the guy those two guys the first game and was destroyed myself the second game and (laughs) enjoyed both plays though Um, you know when we were going through and kind of choosing characters um, I chose the Mad Hatter because I just like The Mad Hatter just made sense to me. I was reading his card, and I was like, oh, okay, I get this guy. And, you know, a lot of the first time I play a game, I just try to think of sort of a, you know, so I choose a character that makes sense to me. And much of the time, it's either just a barbarian-esque character that just smashes things. I'm like, okay, I know how to do that. I'll play this guy. Um, But the Mad Hatter was interesting because in the game, it always, every round starts with a tea party. And in the tea party... You're going to pick up cards that give you abilities or items and things like that, and then you take your main character, and then they go out into the field, and they're like kind of a general that leads the troops, and they're a heavy presence in the field, and they have, can sway battles and things like that. The Mad Hatter character, though, is designed to not leave the tea party, which makes sense. He's the Mad Hatter. It's his tea party. And I just thought that was kind of a funny take. And I I thought, okay, I'm going to play with this. Um, Turns out it's really great. (laughs) It's really, really (laughs) powerful, his abilities. And I just destroyed those guys with this character. Um, The second game, I played the Jabberwock. And that one I didn't quite get, but I thought it was interesting. And, man, I could not get that engine going. And I just got the floor mop with me and was way, way, way behind. Um, And Aaron told me later that the Jabberwock is kind of considered the hardest... One, to get going, like they feel like that one wasn't developed as much. I I definitely think you could play him. I don't think he's, you know, useless, but he did not make as much sense to me. But either way, both plays were really interesting. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, It is a battle game, so you do focus, you know, on the battle itself. But there are many, many other ways to earn points and to consider battles than just being the dominant winner it kind of reminds me of the thing I love about Kemet where you can go into a battle you can win the battle, but you won the battle and your opponent has troops left and all of yours have are dead and that's temporarily great for you, but you got to recoup and figure out the future of your battle um, you know strategy because of that so they're mo- they're sort of more dynamic than just a binary I won and you lose type of structure and I, I thought that was really cool and. Um, yeah, so I would highly recommend it. It sounds like you're already on, on the track there, but I think you'd really enjoy the game too. It's it's uh, very very well done, and, and I had a lot of fun playing it. I want to check out the other characters.
1: Nice, it is on the list for sure. So I got um, I've gotten l- a ton of kickstarters in. They're like all pouring in right now. I got two in today. <laughs> I've God. gotten three or four in in the last month. And, uh, and I've got another, like, six that are supposed to be here within the next two weeks. So, like, I'm just getting bombarded with them. But uh, I'm trying to play them as I get them. Uh, one I was able to play um, is uh, it's called Gift of Tulips. And it is, Ooh, uh, it's uh, I believe it's Weird Giraffe. Um, so, uh, same same people who did uh Big Easy Busking and uh Studies at Sorcery, Dreams of Tomorrow. Um Yeah, I love yeah. those guys. Yep. All all games That's, we that sounds we know like and a love. game <laughs> that they would do. <laughs> mm-hmm. That sounds yeah. like one of their games. And it's uh it it's basically about um it's it's about the tulip festival in like Holland or whatever it is every year. Um but mm-hmm. the the neat mechanism is um so we'll, we'll start from the beginning. there's uh, everyone's got a bouquet of tulips, right? So you have all these tulip cards that uh, that go from like, I think two to six or something like that in value, right? So mm-hmm. um, higher value cards are are better uh, as they they tend to be. Um, but uh, the, the main thing, th- that you're trying to do is there. there's this market, this uh, market that you can influence. Where you're, uh, f- there's four different types of tulips, and their value they're in first place, second place, third place, or fourth place. And you can play cards to do things to manipulate the market to move something from like, you know, third to first, or, you know, move something down from first to fourth, or it, it's constantly evolving as the, the players are changing it. Um, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to get, um, in your bouquet, you're trying to get uh, majorities in those particular, in, in the tulips that are the highest ranked. So obviously you want the majority in first or second. Um, third and fourth don't okay. do you a whole lot. Uh, I don't think fourth gets you anything. But, um, but one of the main mechanisms that you do is you can, instead of playing a card to... You know what? Let's, let's start from here. You have three options on your turn. One is to play a card. Just keep a card from your hand into your bouquet. You put it down. It's yours forever. Right? The next thing you can okay. do is you can play a card to the market. Uh, and you can play it either to the public market where uh, you put it down and it in, that's where it influences... Um, kind of in a capital luck sort of way it influences what goes in first second third or fourth so it's it goes with majorities okay. if you you put a card that all of a sudden gives red tulips a majority you move red tulips up to the front um and that's kind of that's how players influence moving things up and down right you can also mm-hmm. play it down uh to like a secret stash and at the end of the game you take uh, you shuffle up the secret stash and you take the top five cards, and you use those to manipulate. Uh, you put them in the different sections of tulips, and that's what manipulates the uh, the end state. So that's how you end up with a final first, second, third, and fourth. right? So that's another way to kind of secretly manipulate later. Um, the third thing you can do is you can gift a tulip to someone. And so you hand it to them, and they take it, and you get points for um, the the more the, the higher the card and the more valuable it is, like first or second place or third place. Um, then the, so the more it's worth, the more points you get. So if you give somebody a high card in the uh, tulip that's in first place, then you get a whole bunch of, of points. So that's really good for you, right? Now, granted, you're giving right. them a a tulip. In the num the first place tulip, but you may then later be wanting to manipulate that the red those tulips down to something less, um, but for right now it kind of hurts. So so but that's kind of the the thing is: do I keep this card and get majorities, or do I give it to other people for points? And points are king, obviously, because points how you win the game. So um, I I have found that that honestly the person who is the most giving, uh, usually has the best chance of being first or second. So there's just a lot of, of giving stuff to other players and um, and getting these points, but at the same time, um, having enough wherewithal to manipulate the, the marketplace. And at the same time, you want to make sure that you have inadequate supply of tulips in your your bouquet so there's a lot of really really cool choices um and it plays really well at uh all player counts i think it's i think it's one to four one to five um but no i'm sorry two two to four or two to five uh but it's um it's really fun i i enjoyed it a lot it's very quick it's like a 15 minute game especially with two players might even be less than that uh, we, I've played it with, yeah. uh, two, three and four and, uh, I've enjoyed mm-hmm. it at, at all four player counts. So I, that's a big thumbs up for me. It's uh, it's a good well, little yeah, game to kind it of, it it'd be a good one to, to take to a bar too, you know, just like out to, uh, you're out drinking and you've got a, a table. It's not a huge table hog or anything. Um, doesn't really take up any more room than like a Hanimakoji or, uh, or a parade or something like that. So.
0: Oh, nice. I happen to know a couple guys who do a podcast about that. So I'll let them know. Okay. You should. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I always love weird draft games. I feel like they're very unique in the gaming sphere. Like the games and the mechanisms are. um, Yeah. I think they choose some really interesting games to back and develop. And uh, so that sounds definitely right up their alley. And so I'm, I'm, Curious about this game too. I remember us talking. I feel like we talked about it with Rear Giraffe a long time ago. I we, think that we they made mention of it when they were just starting. We development did.
1: Of this game. We we did. It was um, it was the one that came out after Studies in Sorcery, which was uh, she had said she she had when we interviewed Carla here on on this mm-hmm. podcast. She um she was talking about her ne- their next planned like uh, four or five kickstarters like through a couple years and i know studies and mm-hmm. sorcery was on there um i know gift of tulips was on there and there was another one that was like um oh, what was it something really weird. <laughs> something really weird like yeah. uh, too many <laughs> cats or something i don't know that may have been
0: oh there was a cupcake one
1: yeah, wasn't there a cupcake or no. something?
0: No, wait, it was cats? I, now I don't remember. Now there was something. Yeah, there was something like I remember us both being like, "Wait,
1: what?" <laughs> I know she did too many cats. Yeah. Uh, she did too many cats right after, um, right after Gift of Tulips. But yeah, I think she had mentioned okay. Gift of Tulips uh, in a very raw, abstract way, um, just like yeah. it's a game about giving away tulips. And we're like, oh, that sounds. Sufficiently awful, but okay. <laughs> but it's a pretty, it's a pretty good game. It's uh, it, I mean, it's it's not like I wouldn't go out and like champion this game or anything. But but at the same time, like it's it's a fun game for you know two to four players to just just hang out and it's cool. quick, it's fast, it's really easy to learn, um, and there there's a surprising amount of strategy in it. It's deeper than it seems.
0: Nice. Yeah. Okay. Cool. A gift of tulips. On Mother uh, amazing art too. I have to, one of the one thing that I think they do really well in their games is they get some great artists to work on them.
1: They do, definitely.
0: I love I s- still love Dreams of Tomorrow's art. It's such a it's very ethereal, very simple, but I really enjoyed it. Agreed. Me too. Which is funny because their logo is uh, two bit <laughs> pixel <laughs> art still and I just think it's funny they haven't decided <laughs> to re redesign that. Yeah. Um <laughs> but uh let's see what else i'm trying to think of other plays that i've done recently i've been trying to get back into recording my plays on uh, bg stats and i very hit and miss lately about it um oh what else i'm trying to think what i played just the other day well while i'm all that over uh what other plays have you had that you thought were pretty great
1: um, I've played oh, actually
0: uh, oh. let me let me intercede that okay <laughs> I just remembered it and before I I, I don't want to forget it because <laughs> I thought I was playing this one and I thought oh I gotta tell Bill about this um so this is uh, an ancient ancient one of the ancient games so I've been kind of on a kick lately of' just sort of playing the like ancient ancient games that inspired or have lasted the test of time some of them have been lost and I've only just sort of uh, you know the last 10 or 12. 30 or whatever how many years have been rediscovered and republished and this is the the royal game of ur you ever heard of this one i, I hadn't have. heard of this one until someone told you about it
1: I, you have I, okay i have yes not for a while it's,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, not for a couple thousand years uh it's uh it's an a- one of the ancient ancient games it's like several thousand years old it was one of those games that was very well played. They can find etchings of the boards mm-hmm. and, like, tablets and areas of, of the Roman area and, and things like that. I think it went all the way to Persia, or maybe it started in Persia. I don't remember. But um, it's similar. I don't want to compare it to backgammon because it's very much not backgammon. But it is a game, like many of the ancient games, which were kind of like shuffling dice, or shuffling Uh, discs in this case for dominance across a board and you're trying to get you in the way that it is similar to backhand and you're trying to get your discs off the board but that is where the similarities really end and you are um getting them off the board and instead of uh all the way around a board you kind of have your own little side the of the board and then there's a middle channel where you have to get your pieces through but you can capture someone else's pieces and send them back to the beginning. But there are these little flower spaces on the board, which are safe spots. So you can stop there and nothing can capture you. And you can just sit there and you can use it offensively or defensively. And it, and there's several of these spots on the board and it just felt like so much more modern than a game like backgammon. Uh, And I love backgammon, but this game was so, so interesting and it felt like it's like a, a modern take on backgammon, as opposed to an ancient contemporary of backgammon. And what's super cool about this game is unlike a lot of ancient, ancient games um, where they are just kind of guessing at the rules or what they think, how they think it plays, they actually unearthed the literal rules of this game in a tablet. And oh. someone went out and just lit- literally made the, here's how you play <laughs> the royal game of Ur. Uh, that's not what they call it. just happened to be found in the area of Ur. But, um, so they know exactly how this game was played, which is super, super cool. And uh, it's funny because you can compare what historians thought it was played, and they were so far off. They were just totally wrong and not giving the ancient people enough credit to their uh, game designing skills. Uh, and so anyway, it's just a very amazing Um, historical experience to feel like how well game design was actually in the ancient world and you know because so many of these games were started and then through usage over societies and city states they became this honed very very popular game and uh, yeah I would highly recommend you play it it's a super cool two player game Um, you can just make your own board and with discs but um, yeah anyway I just wanted to mention that because I think it's a game you and Kirsten would actually really like and uh you guys should, should check it out for sure. So yeah, I I, before I forgot
1: about it again. I, I had actually read an article about it like a long, long time ago. And this may have been... I don't know if it was before the rules were unearthed. But I know there was uh, th- there was a lot of like discussion. And it may have been referring to... It's been a long time since I read this. But it uh, may have been referring to uh, what they... Pr- like previous iterations or whatever. But I know that, yeah, some of it was uh at at one point in time was a lot of guesswork on what they thought things did just based on kind of illustrations that they saw and you know what have you but uh I hadn't hadn't heard that they they had unearthed like the actual rules that's neat that's really neat yeah yeah
0: it's it's super cool too cuz i think like um oh, what's an i'm trying to think of other games like um well, you know, chess is very – that's been re- – chess, chess is recent enough in the ancient world that we know that, you know, we're pretty f- sure we've got the rules played. B- uh, Backgammon 2, there's references to rules. But there's other ones um, – I'm trying to think of the other ones. There's like uh, – uh, there's a game called Ludus um, Latrinculorum, which is a Greek game that is – when you play it, it feels like a precursor to chess, but And it's just a capture game, but it's just basically like uh, go pieces. You have just these discs, and you just kind of work around the board capturing. And it's just very simple, and it just feels endless. <laughs> because it. unlike chess, all the pieces are the same. So it's basically just like you're trying to swarm around these areas and, and capture them. Um, and they don't know for sure if that's you're playing it right. And it kind of feels like something's missing to me in the game, but it is also really old, so maybe it isn't. Um, but it's just so cool to me that to have the actual rules it, that thousands and thousands of years old to be able to play it the same way that it was played originally or at its peak of um, uh, honing and becoming the game that it is and to have that, like, connection to the ancient gaming world just is so cool.
1: Yeah, that that is neat. That's, that's very cool. I will have to check that out. All right, so I... I interrupted
0: you before. <laughs> what were you going to say with uh, your recent play or your other game that you were going to talk about?
1: Um, I was going to say we uh, one of the another Kickstarter that uh, I received uh, just a few days ago, and have had a chance to play two player and three player, and it's definitely by far a better three player game, and probably be a better four player game. Um, it's missing something at two, but that's a game called Reap, and it's by uh, Jason Anarchy hmm. Games. And it's uh, it's re- it's really cute. It's these like cartoon reapers, and uh and the, it's uh this the tagline on it is, uh, "Reap, keep, sweep or reap," and and that's really hmm. true. You, there's there's just uh there's, uh, a three by three grid, of soul cards that are different colors, and you, basically uh, you have different reapers each game each player there's uh there's a whole bunch of unique reapers and they're all stuff like you know like roofer reaper or like rapper reaper or like um celebrity chef reaper or whatever and uh and so there's a ton of these and they're hilarious because they all have these funny taglines and and everything um but they each have special uh special bonuses for certain color souls and things like that and um and you basically have three options. You can keep, sweep, or reap. Keep uh, keep means that you are basically bidding on the sole that you're on and any um, orthogonally adjacent souls that are the same color. Uh, sweep is you can uh, change out a sole that's adjacent to you with, uh, and discard it and then put a, a different color on there. Um, or you can reap, which is to move your meeple around this 3x3 three three grid. And so there's a lot of... uh, And it's just played in rounds. And it's the first one to get nine souls wins. And in theory... Okay. uh, This would be almost impossible, but in theory, if all nine soul cards uh, happen to be the same color and you won the keep on it, you could win... It's the first one to win nine souls. So so you could technically win in one round, but I'm not sure that's ever happened in the history of playtesting or ever. It's just one of those things that's like technically <laughs> possible but could never happen right um but you're constantly just like sort of setting up the potential for these large turns like uh, when we played with my brother um a few days ago he managed to set up to take uh, like four in one turn and it just happened to to work out for him to to get that way and then there was another one where I was about to get five and then Kirsten sweeped me and put me on a different color and then I ended up just getting one soul so it's it's fun it's it's a lot of really like take that mess with each other kind of thing but it's so fast Mm. that each round is like it's super fast. It's it, it's just a matter of a couple minutes per round. The whole game is 15 to 20 minutes. Um, so yeah, you're messing with each other, and it's it's silly and take that. But it's it's in a fun way uh, because it's so fast. You're not putting any like okay. effort and, and not a ton of strategy. I mean, there's some. Uh, this would be a, a good intro game to to somebody who's you know ready to step up from. I don't know, Uno or Phase 10 or something. <laughs> uh, we've also been playing a lot of Phase 10, but uh, I hear that's not very popular amongst the heavy board gamers, so I keep that to myself. <laughs> I like that game. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I dig it. But, um, but yeah, that's Reap. Um, and it was fun. It's silly fun. So Cool.
0: Yeah, I'm looking up this uh, designer, Jason Anarchy. Um yeah. Is uh, first of all a great name that's I it's got to be uh, an adopted last name, but right, <laughs> but I really love uh, he's got some interesting ones. Looks like a solo designer publisher, Haiku Warrior. I love the names of his games. Your friend is sad,
1: yes, <laughs> about Yes. post apocalypse, yes, or the apocalypse. <laughs> so you're trying to uh, you're trying to cheer up your body. That's like your whole, the whole right. point of the game. So <laughs>
0: that's great. I love that theme. Oh, that's cool. Reap. All right. Cool. Interesting. Yeah, it's
1: good for some chuckles. How'd you chuckles. Find out about that one? It's good for some chuckles too. What What did you say?
0: Yeah. I. Was, how'd you come across that one?
1: Um. Honestly, I think I was um backing Reapers by um Daniel mm-hmm. Newman, who does like Dead Man's Cabal, and I had backed mm-hmm. that. And then it's like on Kickstarter, it's like, uh, hey, you might also be interested in. And I'm like well, what is <laughs> what is that that looks silly and it was so cheap it was it was like under twenty bucks um yeah. and so I'm like okay well, why not and uh that's funny and and i i i it's it's good for what it's certainly worth the the twenty bucks that I paid for it or less than twenty I think it was like eighteen or something but um definitely worth it for that much and uh i we've already gotten seven or eight plays out of it so I've gotten more more out of it than i have for a lot of games that i paid a lot more money for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. That's what, Well, it's, yeah. that's high, that's the highest of praise for a game that you are taking a risk on. It's, yes. So, looking at the Kickstarter pile, I'm thinking like half of you are garbage.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, nice. Jason Anarchy. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check this guy out too. I'm curious about his other games, but well I think we hit we're just about hitting an hour and I think we did it man I feel this is great it feels good to be back in the recording sessions I was gonna say the studio but I'm literally in the basement right now because my I've been pushed out of my <laughs> upper layers of my house um, but uh, yeah this is great I'm glad we uh, are back in the mix
1: me too me too and next week teaser for next week because I just got this Kickstarter game today and we're gonna play it on Tuesday we're gonna play it uh, next week monsters on board hmm interesting the game it's from uh, Final Frontier games who also did like merchants Cove and um, Coloma and, oh, I love them. and uh, what was the other big one they did I don't know but they they do these these big like fanciful games and uh, it was on like a bunch of most anticipated games for like 2020, 2021, and 2022 <laughs> because it just kept getting postponed and postponed. So, um, oh, that's funny, yeah. So, finally, it's here. This was my longest outstanding Kickstarter by almost a year, uh, and it finally came today. So, I am super excited. It is awesome. I've already punched it out and um, dug into the rule book. <laughs> And, and I'm going to get into meat and potatoes on this next uh, next next episode. So get ready cool. for that. Cool. I love those guys. The, yeah,
0: I like that design team or the, the publisher. I am uh, – speaking of <laughs> ancient kick I just looked up Carnival Zombie, and it is three years and three months right now, almost exactly. It would be tomorrow. And <laughs> the last alert I got is it's on the ship. It's arriving in port it's supposed to arrive in port tomorrow, but they say that they've been having issues with shipping yeah. arrivals in the States with delays. So if I get it by Christmas, I'll be excited. Um, <laughs> if I get it under four years, oh, man, that's going to make my day. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. But that's well, cool. I try, like
1: the – I'm going to try hmm? and make it out to Denver in October. Um, oh, okay. Nice. Because my daughter's having a baby. Well,
0: fingers crossed. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's exciting congratulations <laughs> so, yeah thanks and uh and so, so, if you have it by then, I think we need to set a game night, yeah
0: absolutely well i that would be perfect too, because it's a spooky game, spooky time of year. I would hope it's here by then, so, but I don't want to jinx it because <laughs> right. I was so, so excited for this game, and I have uh just intentionally stopped thinking about it, um but that would be great. All right, man. Well, this is great. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you guys want to reach out to us and give us some thoughts on uh, topics we could talk about or some comments on what we were talking about earlier about your thoughts on game player counts and how they have changed maybe or how designers may have changed or their approach, we'd love to kind of hear a conversation of that or get a conversation started on that. I definitely would. So uh, feel free to reach out to us. You can do that in several different ways. You can go to Twitter and Instagram at Games1. You can find us on Facebook. You can go to our podcast hosting page, eavesdrop.com, e-drop, and scroll down to our, our page there and fill out our comment form. And, uh, yeah, as we get back into it, we love to hear from you guys. And thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you all on the next episode.
1: Bye.